Hi, everyone. Welcome to HR Works, brought to you by BLR. I'm your host, Steve Bruce. HR Works provides clear, relevant, actionable information on topics that matter to HR professionals. When you're armed with best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional value to your organization, HR Works. We talk a lot about culture these days. And one of the companies that often comes up in those discussions is uh, Netflix, renowned for its special culture. Today's guest, Patty McCord, is the architect of that culture and the creator of the Netflix Culture Deck, a popular resource that has over 20 million views, actually 20 million and one since I've looked at it. Uh, And Sheryl Sandberg called this deck perhaps the most important document ever to come out of Silicon Valley. Patty has since moved on from Netflix, but she continues to leave a strong and thought-provoking mark as she coaches and advises companies around the world on culture and leadership. She's worked with small startups and very large companies. She's a veteran of Sun Microsystems, Borland, and Seagate Technologies. Her background includes staffing, diversity, communications, and international human resources positions. And I'll just mention the Patty is the opening keynoter at BLR's upcoming HR Comply Conference, November 14th to 16th in Las Vegas. Her topic is, The Time for a Culture Shift is Now, How to Fix a Broken Culture and Inspire Teams to Achieve Greatness. And she also has a new book out. It's called Powerful, Building a Culture of Freedom and Responsibility. The Washington Post named it one of the top 11 leadership books to read in 2018 and says it reveals why most companies fail at hiring, motivating, and creating exceptional teams. Patty, welcome to HR Works. Hi, Steve. Thanks. I'm delighted to be here. So maybe we can just start out with that last bit from your new book as a, as a beginning point. Why do companies fail at hiring, motivating, and creating exceptional teams? And what can they be doing better? So maybe we could look at those one by one, although imagine they're all um, interconnected. But how about hiring? Where are companies falling down there and what might they do differently? You know, I was just coaching someone before you called uh, who is a job seeker. And I was explaining to her how companies actually do most hiring. And I told her that most most people start with the job description or the requisition instead of starting with the problem they're trying to solve. So I often say that usually a job description either describes the person who left that you wish hadn't gone, the fantasy person that doesn't exist, or whatever it takes to get it approved. And none of those are what you're really looking for when you're hiring somebody. So I think the most important thing that we can do better in hiring is think about whole teams and where the holes, where the, the deficits are within teams and hire people who can help solve problems that matter to the business and matter to the customer. Because then you do a much better job at looking at a diverse slate of candidates because you want people who can solve those problems in lots of different ways. Oh, I think that's a nice perspective to have on the, on your approach to recruiting. So then let's uh, talk about motivating. You got your good people hired. How do you go about motivating them? 
Well, again, like you said at the beginning, it's all part of the same system. So if you've hired somebody who's really interested in the problem that you need to solve and who's really good at it and who really likes doing that, then you don't have to do a lot to motivate them other than keep giving them hard problems that they're interested in and capable of solving. So, you know, I find that when I ask HR people or in my whole career, when I sit down with somebody who's successful and I say, tell me about that, give me a story about something that you did at work that you were really proud of or that you really felt like made a difference. And every one of those stories is going to be about something that was hard. And so I think that we've swung the pendulum way too far in the other direction to think that our job in HR is to make people happy because happy people do better work. I mean, I think there's a correlation, don't get me wrong, but just the happiness doesn't result in better work. And so it's when people are really, truly engaged, and I don't mean via anonymous engagement survey, but are really interested in the work that they're doing and the people that they're working with, that motivates them more than anything else. All right, that's helpful. We're going to talk about engagement in a minute, but let's go to our um, third uh, topic here. Uh, So much of today's work revolves around teams. So what's wrong with how we create and manage teams and what could we be doing better? Well, we kind of use the same structure for every team. You know, if you look at the org charts of most companies, they're this endless series of pyramids, right? The the boss and then the lieutenants and then the next level and the, and it, you know, you draw it out it looks like this big fat flat triangle. And the thing is that I'm finding, especially in a lot of the startups or the creative companies that I'm working with, a lot of work these days is done collaboratively and cross-functionally. So I see much more often a group of people who comprise a team that's working on a product for a customer. And there's somebody from marketing and there's somebody from engineering and there's somebody from finance who's keeping track of the budget and, you know, somebody from HR who's thinking about what kind of talent it's going to take to round out the team. And so the structures themselves have to be more flexible and fluid because of the kind of work we do. And it's rare that I see teams that are structured in a certain way exist for many, many years, right, without just flattening the bottom of the pyramid. And so I think that we can be really smart about being flexible and being creative about how people work as our businesses evolve over time. The other thing I would say is that we tend to think with our rules and policies that it's important to have consistency and have everybody work in the same way. And it's just not true. You know, different teams have different rhythms, different teams have different boundaries, different teams have different outcomes. And I think it's perfectly okay to allow flexibility in the organization so people can do great work on time with quality that makes customers happy. I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. (laughs) So then um, when I was looking at the culture deck, I, I was taken by a list of values. I guess I'll call them values that were in there. And, uh, a few of them especially caught my interest. In particular, one said freedom and responsibility. And that seems to be pretty basic to the culture that you're espousing. Can you describe how that works, freedom and responsibility? Yeah, it's kind of two sides of the same coin. If you expect a lot from each other, 
uh, and you know that your job as a team member is to be really good at anticipating what needs to be done, articulate about what you're going to do and what your time frame is for doing it. Um, and everybody's coordinated and aligned across the team then you can have a lot of freedom as to how you go about doing that. And the thing about freedom and responsibility as combined thoughts or combined actions is it creates this thing that HR people always want to do with the magic wand, which is it creates a lot of trust. So if I know that I'm, if I tell you that I'm going to deliver something in a month and, uh, and you're counting on me to do it. And if we both come in in a month at this, you know, in the right place with both of us delivering great work, then you're going to want me on your team next time. Right. So it's that, that ability to take seriously, uh, the commitments that we make to each other around deliverables. And that's the responsibility side. I see. So then um, also you said context, not control. Right. What's the concept there? So that's the glue that makes freedom and responsibility work, right? It's the ability to understand in the whole of the, you know, in the whole of the organization what we're together trying to do. You know, I often coach when I talk to companies when I talk to companies about issues they have, like in customer service, and they always want to talk about how do we make, motivate customer service people because, you know, they have to talk to cranky people all day long, and it's really exhausting, and it's not a very motivating job. And I say the best thing you can do for them is teach them how to read a P&L, how to read a profit and loss statement. And they'll realize that every time a customer hangs up from talking to them and tells a friend to use their service for free, they're throwing whatever the marketing cost is, you know, whatever is 20 bucks a customer right to the bottom line. So they're actually contributing via word of mouth marketing to the business as a whole. They're not just dealing with cranky customers. And that's an example of context, right? That puts their job, their part of the whole into perspective with the objective of what the company exists to do, which is to make happy, satisfied customers that keep coming back. Right. Good. And then how about um, highly aligned, loose coupled? How does yeah. that work? It's a goofy sentiment, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. re- it's related to context, not control. It's where I spend enough time. Um, let's, I'll give you an example. I'm a technical engineer at Netflix, and I'm working on uh, getting your streaming service to be as beautiful as possible, right? Well, you also want to know what's coming down the pike in terms of content from the folks in L.A. who are signing on action films, right? Because you want to think about how that might the, that particular piece of content might be viewed, when it might be viewed, how. So there's, an, there's a reaching out across the aisles to other parts of the organization and understanding what's motivating them, understanding what their time frames are, understanding what matters to them, understanding what their role is, so that then you don't have to comment on, using my example, I don't have to call you up and opine about whether or not that was a good action movie because it's not my business to do those, but we, we are working together to, to serve the same customer in the end, who's going to be watching that great content with a great, 
um, deliverable experience, right? And so that's what, that's an example of the two teams are are highly aligned, right, in terms of the customer experience, but they don't have to have a pine about each other's every single th- every single decision they make, um, every single you know thing that they're going to do. So that the team, even a very large team, can move in the same direction because we have a lot of alignment. All right, that's very helpful. Thank you. Now, I said we'd uh, we'd get back to engagement, and I note that you've talked disparagingly about some of these current HR buzzwords like engagement and empowerment and culture fit. So, what's wrong with these concepts, and uh, where we should be? Where should we be focusing instead? There's nothing wrong with the concepts themselves. I really don't. I mean, I like I told you earlier in the podcast, I, I love when people are engaged in their work. I just don't think engagement is a product that HR people deliver. I don't think HR people have a magic wand to empower people. You know, I named my book Powerful because... I I don't believe in empowering. I I think that we've the reason why we have to go around empowering people now is because we took all their power away from them. And there's so many rules and so many processes and so many things that we have to do that people feel, you know, reach out to be empowered instead of just walking in the door with the power that they have every day. So I don't necessarily disagree conceptually. I just don't think we need to have our own language to talk about it. And I think when we talk about these things in only language that only HR people understand, then I think that creates cynicism and employees kind of roll their eyes. You know, really, you're going to empower me? Let's see you do it. Right. So, Uh you know, I just want to get underneath what that stuff means. And I want to treat it like everything else we do in the business. I mean, HR is the only department that can speak their own language and not have any metrics. And even the metrics we have, you know. So I, I did a talk at a conference a couple months ago that was a thousand HR people. And I started off the talk and I said, please raise your hand if you're in the same job that you had when you graduated from college. And if you're an intern, you know, abstain, right? Not a single person raised their hand. And I said, wow, you know, that's pretty statistically significant, actually, that I just happened to stumble into a room full of a thousand employees whose first employer couldn't retain them. Every one of you started out your career in a really sucky company, huh? How, you know, I'm like, okay, okay. So, so raise your hand if you measure re- retention. Raise your hand if that's a critical metric for your HR organization. I'm like, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It didn't work for a thousand people in this room. So, you know, let's measure the things that are important, right? Let's measure whether uh, the business is successful, whether things are getting done on time, whether customers are happy with our product, whether, you know, we have a great reputation in our community as a company, whether the people that we work with operate with integrity, you know, and are smart and deliver things. Those are things that are important to measure. And those are things that are the result of, things like empowerment and engagement, right? It's, it's that, that end game is what you're reaching for, not the, the action of empowering. Oh, that's really, uh, that's really helpful. I appreciate that. So I want to change gears here just for a second. You've talked um, a lot about harassment 
and the uh, Me Too movement and how negative stereotypes or inequitable practices can damage a company's reputation and people. What are your recommendations for what actions HR should be taking? Well, I think we need to take a really hard look at ourselves and ask why we do the things that we do and ask whether or not they work. Okay? So let's take sexual harassment. I've had HR people tell me, you know, it's our job to investigate sexual harassment. I'm like, really? So it's our job to investigate sexual harassment after it happens. That's our job? Like, it's not working. It's our job to have companies where people don't harass each other. That's our job, right? And so by investigating it afterwards, we've – so let's just take a look at that practice. It failed. It's not working. We're still doing it. You know, what we need to do is make sure that people operate in a high-integrity way and that when they don't, they go work somewhere else. Right. We, we are the hire and fire people. So while I'm on my rant, <laughs> you know, I just at that very same HR conference I talked to the other day, I said, let me tell you a couple of things that I'd like you to do right now. One, fix equal pay. Write some checks. Make it OK. You own pay. We're HR. Right? <laughs> Whose permission are you waiting for to make that so? And it's probably not that bad. But you know what? People are going to feel a lot more empowered when they feel like they're being paid what they're worth. There's a way to empower people, right? Okay, and then the second one is let's take a good hard look at the compensations that we compensation systems that we created that keep us down. Right? Are we really looking hard at how we make offers to people? Are we really looking hard at what those job families and bands are those are those really created in the right way so that people have opportunity? Are we really taking apart and examining the way that we promote people? Right? It's not just the things that the rules that we make, but how it really happens. What really happens in those conversations where people think about who, who's going to get the next promotion. Because we have an opportunity as HR people right now to really make a difference. I tell them, you want a seat at the table? Pull up a chair. There's a plate, there's napkins, it's all there. Just sit on down and start re examining some of the practices that we do and ask ourselves, could we do better? And then do what everybody else in the company would do is say, of course, we could do better. Let's reinvent this. Or here's another concept, crazy concept. You know what other people in the company do when something doesn't work? They stop doing it. So could we. You asked me. (laughs) Pull up a chair. I like that one. Yeah. Seat at the table. Um, Instead of whining about it, do something. So this is uh, this is all great. To sum this all up, any final recommendations for companies concerned about their cultures? I think just to take a look at everything that you do, right? All of the stuff that's, um, quote, best practices. You know, when you say things like best practices, ask yourself, as measured by what? Because I find a lot of times best practices just means what everybody else does. And so I tell people, I don't care if you choose to do what you've always done. I don't care if you want to run your company in a very traditional way. I really don't. I just want you to choose to. All right, I like 
I like that very much. Um, Patty, thanks so much for joining us today. Very helpful insights. Thanks. It was great being here. So I'm just going to mention again that Patty is the opening keynoter at BLR's upcoming HR Comply Conference, November 14th to 16th in Las Vegas. You can learn more or uh, register for HR Comply at live.blr.com. And HR Works listeners can get a $50 discount off their registration for HR Comply when they register. You just enter M-C-C-O-R-D, all capital letters, in the discount code box. And again, uh, Patty's new book is Powerful, Building a Culture of Freedom and Responsibility. Listeners, please let me know what HR Works should cover next. sbruce at blr.com. Thanks for listening. This is Steve Bruce for HR Works.